Let's uh, start with reciting the homage to the Buddha together in unison. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato nama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa arahato arahato sama sambuddhasa So for today's Dharma talk, I'd like to um, follow as we've been talking about the uh, Kamateya Sutta, starting with wholesome virtuous behavior and ending with liberation. I would like to speak with a f- about a few more links today, explore them together, because I think they are quite relevant for our practice here. And then I'd like to talk about conditionality a little more, exploring that together. So the Kimatiya Sutta, starting with wholesome virtuous behavior, which leads to, is a condition for non-regret, which is a condition for gladness, pamoja. And we talked about, I talked about those in the last talk, previous talk. And today I want to speak about a few of the later links leading to, to piti, leading to joy, and leading to to pasadi, tranquility, and leading to sukkha, which is bliss or, or happiness. So one thing to remind all of us of is that so far, um, Sayada Ujagara and I have talked about multiple, have brought to your attention multiple suttas that start from various places. Uh, Kimatiya Sutta starts from virtuous, wholesome, wholesome, virtuous behavior, um, kusalani, silani. And after these many links, um, it ends with liberation. We pointed out some other suttas that start from other places. So there is the Chaitana Sutta, an act of will, which starts from virtue and ends with similar links, actually, a similar progression, very similar progression, ends in liberation. There's also the Upanisa Sutta, which I mentioned last time, which actually starts from suffering, and then goes to faith, and then goes to gladness, and then the same, the same chain really follows, leading to liberation. And uh, Sayada Ujagara mentioned the Dasutara Sutta from the Diga Nikaya, which starts f- from Yoniso Manasikara, starting from wise attention 
And wise attention then gives rise to, is a condition for pamoja, for gladness. And then again, gladness, and then uh, the same, the same um, gladness and joy, etc., etc. The same links leading to liberation. So, what I appreciate about this is that there are many different conditions. There are many different places to start. It's not just one way. It's not just one thing. There are many different places to start um, that that basically get one in the same groove, in the same links, going to liberation. So it's actually, that's quite liberating, right? That one can start with with wholesome virtuous behavior. One can start from Yoniso Manasikara, wise attention. One can start really being with suffering, really being with one's suffering um, and in a wise way that can give rise to faith. And then, again, giving rise to pamoja, giving rise to gladness, etc., So another thing I'd like to encourage you is, you know, these these suttas, these, you know, they sound interesting and, and wonderful. Oh, joy arises, gladness arises. Hmm, pretty cool. But look into your own practice, really. Really look into your own experience. Examine your own experience because these are not just stories i mean they sound like wonderful stories but they're actually recipes they're really recipes for practice step by step very detailed practice so it's not supposed to be theoretical it it really is supposed to be practical as practical and pos- as possible and also, what I want to bring our attention to is that the many links, as you've already seen in your handout, the links leading to samadhi, le- the links leading to the mind unifying and concentrating and then seeing things as they are, etc., et and liberation. The previous links, those first few links, are gladness, joy, happiness, bliss. Do you hear that? It's not hard work. It's not grit grit your teeth, grind them and, and, and really sit. It's joy. I really would like you guys to hear this. It's joy. It's gladness. It's contentment. It's happiness. This is what leads to the mind settling and getting quiet, getting concentrated and seeing things as they are. It's gladness, it's joy, tranquility, happiness, bliss. The Buddha could have very well put put other things there could have put virya effort leading to the mind settling. But no, it's gladness, it's joy. 
So please allow that to really, really sink in to your understanding as you're practicing here at the Forest Refuge. Let yourself be suffused with joy. I'd like to share a poem by Mary Oliver. It's called Don't Hesitate. And this is her and my advice to you. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. I love that last line. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Take a whole bite. Give in to it. So gladness, pamoja, giving rise to piti, which is translated as joy, as well as rapture. I'd like to say a few more words about joy and rapture. So this piti can both show up as a sense of really joy, joy, happiness, as if you're falling in love with the object of your, of your attention. Sometimes when people practice anapanasati, mindfulness of the breath, they start to fall in love with their breath. It just seems lovely. It brings, it brings them joy. It arises joy, this happiness. They're just happy to be with their breath. Same thing can happen with other objects the delight that you can feel with seeing, with, with feeling the sun on your face, with feeling the, the four elements, the warmth, etc., etc. That sense of joy can arise. Piti, more specifically, also as Bhante talked about it last time, can also specifically show up in the practice as rapture, as rapturous energy. And I'd like to add a few more words on that so that if you see it in your practice, and many practitioners come to practice interviews and are somewhat puzzled sometimes by quote-unquote strange phenomena that show, is showing up in, your, in their practice. And if it is accompanied by the mind getting very settled and quiet, it can often be different manifestations of piti, different manifestations of this energy that can show up. So I'd like to say a little more about them with the caveat that as I say them, 
my hope, my goal is not to arise, not to give rise to a wanting mind for you. Ooh, I want that. That sounds really cool. That is not my hope. My wish is to just get you a little more familiar with the terrain so that if something arises, you can recognize it better. And with anything else, with PT, as it arises, the practice with it is neither to attach to it, to want it, to cling to it, nor to push it away, stop, make it stop. Neither of those is really conducive to the practice really maturing. Instead, just arise the energy of piti, rapture, arise and pass away. You can enjoy it while it's there and then let it go. Kiss the butterfly goodbye as it flies away. Okay, Because attaching to piti, wanting it, wanting more of it, is the sure way not to have it and to diminish it or cause problems for yourself. It's just... Allow it to arise and pass. So some ways that it can show up for people. First I give it just a, a, a list and then the more and then categorize them a little more. Um, it can show up as an electric shock, as a burst of energy. It can feel like an energy traveling through the body as pleasure, as joy, as bubbly joy, as falling in love. It can show up sometimes as a different taste or a different smell. Or sometimes people report that they feel like their body is as big as a balloon. It's ballooning up. It's like it's huge. The perception gets changed or it feels very small. Temperature changes can happen, feeling cold or hot. Sometimes people feel pinpricks or, or bugs, as if bugs are crawling on your body. Some other manifestations could be involuntary movement, arms flapping, jerky movements, um, etc. Feeling as if you're about to float up, feeling light. And as Bonte mentioned, the, the five different kinds... Um, the the first one is the minor rapture, and it can feel like hairs are standing. Um, uh, the the symptoms are the hair standing on end, um, and and also with the minor rapture, I think what can feel similar to that is when you kind of get pinpricks or or little. Uh, you feel like you might feel like there are uh, little bugs walking on you, and then the second type momentary or, or instantaneous joy, which is the flash or slight shock of electricity through your body, when actually the bugs crawling could also be, I guess, under this category. Again, not getting too, too precise, but just for you to know that um, what the terrain could potentially look like. And not everybody experiences every single one of them. Um, the third type, showering joy, or flow of joy, which is slightly stronger than the the second one. It's more like waves breaking on the shore. Um, and sometimes it c- could feel like being tossed by the waves. Um, the fourth one, 
which Bonte talked about quite extensively, is the uplifting joy or transporting rapture where the body can feel light, very light. And as we heard the stories, people can actually transport or teleport with the feeling of lightness. And um, you can sometimes experience it on the cushion, can kind of feel light. There's a lightness that can show up in the body. And the last one, the fifth one, is suffusing joy or all-pervading rapture, which actually radiates all over the body. And it can feel quite ecstatic, quite ecstatic. And that is the one that perhaps when the jhanas really mature, um, the second jhana really matures, can, can feeling of rapture can really uh, be pervading rapture, the fifth type, feeling it all over the body. So again, given that you're experienced practitioners, it's just kind of good to know what the terrain might might look like if you run into these signposts. And again, not to force it. It's if you look for it, it's the sure way not to find it. And the way is to to just be with the practice that you're you're doing, be committed to the practice you're doing, but don't turn away from ease, from joy, from gladness when it arises. Ah, open to it, be open to it. Um, But don't search for it, because if you look for it and search for it, you're making it into a dukkha fest. It's making even more complicated for yourself. And just to say also these rapturous um, experiences, these five types that uh, I mentioned, they're quite normal. They're really normal. As long as they're held in the practice, like, like the breath, it's arising and passing away. It's just energetic changes in the body that happen at a particular time um, when it's right when it's right for the body, when the mind settles in a particular way, seems like trap doors in the mind and the body open and these energetic changes flow um, in the body. And it's a natural phenomena, the same way you don't have control over a hiccup or a burp. It just happens. Usually I advise yogis to, to think of these rapturous energies moving in the body in the same way, neither pushing away, not clinging to okay it's it's like this it's like this and then the pt joy rapture is a condition for tranquility pasadi and what is the difference between all this? So pasadi, it's, so it's often, pasadi is most often translated as tranquility, which I do like because the, world, the word for me conjures up images of calm and like a calm and placid lake, spaciousness, Stillness, peacefulness, ah, pasadi. But I also understand the word tranquility doesn't work for everyone as a translation. 
For some, it conjures up pharmaceuticals and trans tranquilizers instead, which is not exactly a helpful vision or image. So feel free to substitute other translations that work for you for the word pasadi. Could be calm, could be repose, could be serenity. I will use the word tranquility, and again, please, if it doesn't work for you, in your mind, do the translation or transposition. So, in the Visuddhimagga, in the Path of Purification, which is the compendium of post-canonical commentaries, there are two types of Pasadi mentioned, and I'd like to just bring them up. One is Kaya Pasadi, and the other one is Chitta Pasadi. So Kaya means the body, this body, um, and Chitta, mind heart, as we're talking about this morning. So the tranquility of body, tranquility of mind. So one way to interpret and practice with this teaching of making this distinction between these two types of tranquility, calm, is is that you can recognize the factor of pasadi in the body and you can recognize it in your mind and see and experiment with how one leads to the other and how one informs the other how calmness in the mind calms the body and how calmness, ease, tranquility of the body when it's relaxed can help settle the mind. Really, how one conditions the other, conditionality of one and the other, how one supports the other. And what's interesting about Pasadi is that you know here the conditions are wonderful and it's conducive here at the forest refuge. It's quiet, it's peaceful. It's quite conducive to this tranquility and we have time and space. And yet tranquility and peace, when we do practice here, it can show up in the most unexpected places. It can show up, it can appear, it can be conjured up. I had an experience some time, some time ago. I was teaching a, um, a seven-month series on um, the... Uh, the Bhujangas, uh, the seven factors of enlightenment, of awakening. And, um, and Pasadi, tranquility, is one of the factors. And that month I had shared some um, reflections with the students. And Pasadi was on my mind in general. And, um, and 
During that month, one day I found myself in one of my least favorite situations, which is I had to go for a blood draw and give blood for a lot of, lot of blood tests. I think they're collecting like, I don't know, a dozen vials or something. It's not my most favorite thing to do. So I was sitting there waiting for the stinging needle and actually with, with the stinging needle, it was stinging. I think they, they had put too much alcohol anyway. It was not quite, it was not the most pleasant experience. I was a little agitated. I couldn't wait for, you know, all the, for all the blood to be drawn. Okay, okay. And then all of a sudden the contemplation came up. Um, Pasadi. Could there be tranquility in this moment when I'm anxious, when I can't wait for the sting of of this needle to end and for them to take the tourniquet out, which is hurting, like argh, anxious anxiety? Could there be pasadi? Could there be tranquility, peace of mind, calm, this tranquil lake? Could it be inside in this moment? Could it be? So I just dropped in the the inquiry. And without expecting, without expecting anything. And it was there. Then just remembering that reflection, just remembering that reflection, it conjured it up. There was a sense of peace in the body. My, my body just relaxed. It let go. And my mind was at peace. And they could have drawn another dozen vials. It would have not made a difference. So the conditions, so when we practice, they can be more more present, much more present. And one gives rise to the other. In that case, I think what happened for me was noticing that, oh, I was sitting still. I couldn't move. I could not move on that seat. So, ah, there was actually kaya pasadi because my body was still. And that started to give rise to chitta pasadi my mind getting calmer, more still. Heraclitus says, expect the unexpected or you won't find it. So I invite us all to be curious and ponder tranquility and calm when you least expect it. Maybe you'll be there. Maybe you'll find it. So tranquility, peace, peace in the body, peace in the mind. There's a sense of ease, stillness, placid lake. Maybe to that imagery here, I'd like to add the woods. The green of the woods here. There's a sense of tranquility, peace, stillness, pasadi just as a quality to soak in, to soak up. As I look out the windows here, just feeling ah, the peace. The stillness. And that giving rise to sukha, which is the next condition, which is the next link in the chain.
So sukha, translated as happiness, translated as bliss. Just a sense of pervading well-being, happiness, bliss, more pervasive than gladness, which is Pamuja earlier, earlier on. Piti and Sukha are quite related, though not the same. Piti joy is likened to delight in the attaining of a desired object, whereas Sukha or happiness, bliss, is likened to the enjoyment of the taste of what is required. So there is a simile, actually there's a better simile I'd like to share with you. And in this simile, rapture is likened to a weary traveler in the desert in the summer who hears or sees water of the the shady woods. In fact, this is fun. I will read part of this for you part of the sutta. And notice the difference between piti, which is joy, which is about hearing the news of, ah, there is water, compared to actually being submerged and really tasting and overcoming the heat, which is the bliss, which is the sukha, really resting in it. So delirious of drink, if they saw, by the way, this, this the sutra is written is if he saw a man. So, and I would like to put neutral pronoun here, but it's all over the place. So I'm going to do my best, but I might screw up just to let you know. Here we go. Desirous of drink, if they saw a person on the way, would ask, where is water? The other would say, beyond the wood is a dense forest within natural lake. Go there and you will get some. They, hearing these words, would be glad and delighted as they went, would see lotus leaves, etc., fallen on the ground and become more glad and delighted. Going onward, they would see men and women with wet clothes and hair, hear the sounds of wild fowl and peafowl, etc. See the dense forest of green like a net of jewel growing by the edge of the natural lake. They would see the water lily, the lotus, the white lily, the growing lake. You kind of get the picture. They would see the clear transparent water. They would see, they would be all the more glad and delighted, would descend into the natural lake, bathe and drink at pleasure. Their oppression being allayed, they would eat the fibers and stalks of the lilies, adorn themselves with the blue lotus, carry on their shoulders the roots of the mandalaka, ascend from the lake, put on their clothes, dry the bathing cloth in the sun, and in the cool shade where the breeze blew over so gently, lay themselves down and say, O bliss, O bliss. Thus should this illustration be applied. The time of gladness and delight from when they heard the natural lake and dense forest till they saw the water, till they saw what what the water is like, 
rap wait, uh, lake, the time of gladness and delight from when they heard of the natural lake and the dense forest till they saw the water is like rapture, having the manner of gladness and delight at the object in view. The time when after they bathed and dried and dried, they laid themselves down in the cool shade, saying, O bliss, O bliss, etc., is the sense of ease, happiness, growing strong, established in that mood of enjoying the taste of the object. That is sukha. So that really clarifies in my mind what the difference, and in my experience, of course, you'll see for yourself the difference between piti and sukha. It's kind of drenched, drenching the, the happiness and the ease that drenches the whole body and mind, O oh bliss, O oh bliss. So the next link is samadhi, is unification of the mind. And when the mind is happy, when the mind and body are happy, tranquil, blissful, the mind naturally settles. And I don't so much like the word concentration because the word concentration brings up this, this effort. You're trying to concentrate. Whereas a better translation of samadhi, samatha, is to bring together, to bring together, to unify, to collect the mind, to unify the mind. There is a gentleness in that. There is a gentle persistence. You keep collecting, you keep collecting, you keep collecting. Just say a little bit maybe about samadhi. That's, mm, you think, let me pause for a moment. I want to make sure I have time for the other thing I'd like to share with you. Um, you know, I think for today, I, I'll pause here about trying, about samadhi and, and pick this up later because I think just letting the what we've already talked about with with joy, with tranquility, with bliss, happiness. I think that is is a good place to just kind of let your mind swim, swim with, and naturally allow that to, to give rise for the mind becoming contented, contented in samadhi. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about... Um, about conditionality, about conditionality in general. And as we've shared on this retreat and, and as the theme of the retreat is seeing causes and conditions, seeing conditionality intimately, the question can, can come up, well, why? Why are we practicing this? 
Why see conditionality? Why? What's the purpose? So many ways I can address this, but seeing causes and conditions is really seeing the Dharma because it's all causes and conditions. It's all causes and conditions. And when you start to see that, you're seeing the Dharma unfold. It's, it's another way of investigating. It's another way of seeing. You see the whole dar- Dharma unfold. You see the way things are. And it's also a way to have insight into anatta, into not-self. Because you see that it's all causes and conditions that are operating themselves. One sets the other up in motion. And where are you in there? Is there a need for a you, for a self in there at all? Is it even needed? And by really paying attention how one condition gives rise to the other, it suddenly on its own, it becomes clear, it lights up. So, so far we've talked about two of the conditions in the Patana, and the first one being the root condition, which is perhaps the most important one. Hetu Pachaya. It's the condition that resembles the root of the tree. Just as a tree rests on its roots and remains alive only as long as its root is not destroyed, similarly, all karmically wholesome and unwholesome mental states are entirely dependent on the simultaneity and presence of their respective roots, whether it's greed, loba, hate, dosa, delusion, loba, or greedlessness, generosity, aloba, or hatelessness, or rather love, adosa, and wisdom, lack of delusion, amoha, the six roots. And if you don't practice anything else, any looking at any other conditionality, and just look at that, that's enough. That's really enough. That's actually plenty. That can be quite powerful to look at, to look forward and to look backward in your experience. And again, not in the way of chastising yourself, as we've said before, and, and policing yourself. Oh, there it is again, another unwholesome root. No, just seeing clearly, just seeing what is happening. Because it's, it's seeing without any aversion. That is the seeing that frees. The seeing without aversion gives more energy, gives more energy and puts things even more in place. So there are 24 of these conditions and looking at them and considering what to share, I think for now Bonte and I have decided to just stay with the first two because I think that is plenty. That is really plenty. It's quality over quantity. (laughs) And some of the other ones can kind of get us a little heady. So 
wanted to stay with the first one and I'd like to speak a little more about the second one that we've already introduced, just say a little more about it. Especially for those for whom the, the idea, the concept is new. So the second one, the object condition, Aramana Pacheya, is is where an object forms the condition for the consciousness and the mental phenomena to arise. And this is the Abhidhamma view, really, to explore. So the teaching here is that ear consciousness, which actually might be the simplest one to explore first to see, ear consciousness arises when a sound arises at the ear door. We have a sense of continuity, but actually when we really, really pay attention, we see that the knowing of the object, the knowing of the sound, the sound consciousness, the knowing of the object and the object itself, the sound, are simultaneous. They coexist, they co-arise together. And the object is the condition for the consciousness of knowing that object to arise in that moment. And there is no need for a you in that moment. It, they just happen on their own. It just happens, they just happen on their own just happen on their own. This, this can require a, a level of, of stillness to see and to be steady with. And it can be seen. If it couldn't be seen, it wouldn't be taught. If it hadn't been seen, it wouldn't be taught. So ever so simply, again, I'll repeat it, is the teaching that the knowing the consciousness of the six senses arise at that door when an object shows up at that door. They co-arise. And you can just see that. It can be actually quite fascinating. For, for the mind, when the thought object arises, the, the mind consciousness arises. For the taste the consciousness of tasting when a, a food, a taste arises at that door, smell, etc. And just to say, the first one, the easiest one to get is often the ear door. And that is related, as I mentioned, to the teaching to the Bahia, which is the shortest, the most pith teaching that the Buddha gave. And a liberative one. So briefly, Bahia of the Bark Cloth was a dedicated practitioner and he thought he was an arahant. He was um, awakened and some, at some point he asked himself, am I awakened? Am I done? Is this it? And And the the story goes that one of his friends, his relatives, um, showed up to him from another realm and said, actually, you're not, dude. You're not 
completely awake yet, but there is someone who can teach you to be awake. His name is the Buddha, and he's at the Jetta's Grove. Go. So, Bahia being a um, dedicated practitioner, he um, embarks and walks for days and days and gets to, uh, to the Jetta's Grove, and, and the monks say, Oh, sorry, the Buddha just left on alms round. Sorry. And so, but he decides, okay, I'm going to go find the Buddha. He goes and finds the Buddha, and Buddha is quiet and tranquil and holding out his alms bowl. And and Bahia asks him for a teaching, and um, the Buddha says, no, this is not the right time. I'm at the alms round. Bahia asks a second time, please, please give me a teaching. Uh, Buddha says, this is not the right time. I'm on my alms round. Can't you see? And he asks a second time, I mean, a third time, which the etiquette of those, those days, apparently if you ask the Buddha something three times, he would answer you. Um, and also what, what another thing that Bahia does, besides asking a third time, which I really appreciate, he, is he pulls out the death card. He says, you know, life is uncertain. We don't know what, what can happen any moment. So please, out of mercy, out of compassion, give me a teaching now. Who knows what can happen to me any moment? And the Buddha gives the most pith teaching. You know, he was a human. Maybe he was hungry. You know, was alms round. But the teaching is so amazing. Here it goes. Bahia, you should train yourself thus. In the scene, only the scene. In the herd, only the herd. In the sensed, only the sensed. In the cognized, only the cognized. Practicing in this way, Bahia, you will not be with that. When you are not with that, you will not be in that. And when you are not in that, then you will be neither here nor there nor in between. Just this is the end of suffering. Isn't that a beautiful teaching? And it's so brief. That's the whole of Dharma. In the seen, only the seen. In the heard, only the heard. In the sensed, only the sensed. In the cognized, only the cognized. Practicing in this way, Bahia, you will not be with that. When you are not with that, you will not be in that. And when you are not in that, then you will be neither here nor there nor in between. Just this is the end of suffering. So practicing, practicing by seeing in the seen, only the seen, in the heard, only the heard, is an opening just to see that you're neither here nor there nor in between. Anatta, it's, it's just this is the end of suffering. And that is the invitation for the second contemplation we introduced with the object condition 
Aramanapacheya. How they link together, these teachings. So for now, we do invite you to see the causes and conditions, to see how one thing leads to another, leads to another. And sometimes there is no you. It just all happens on its own. Like, hello, hello train of conditionality. It's all causes and conditions. It's an opening. It's a way to see not-self. Not-self is, you know, sounds pretty wild. Like, what the heck is this non-self thing they talk about? It's, it's easier to see than you realize. You can see it in these small ways. There are so many different ways to see it. So many different ways to see it. And it accumulates. The insights accumulate over time. You see more and more and more. You see it everywhere. At first you see it just in a few ways. So, for example... See the impersonality, see the dependence of, of the body and the mind. This morning I talked about recognizing nama, the mind, states of mind, and, and rupa, actually kaya. It was more like kaya because kaya is the body, is my body. Rupa is materiality, is all materiality everywhere. That's, that's rupa. So, so seeing how in your, your body depends on your mind, how the conditions of your bo- uh, body, um, um, uh, mind and body depend on each other. So, for example, notice how when you're hungry, when the body is hungry, when the sh- blood glucose level, sugar level is low, notice if there is a agitation, ir- more irritation. If somebody cuts in front of you in, in the lunch line, whether it's more, you get more irritated, notice that, the dependence. Or notice how maybe after lunch, after food, how when the body actually, the sugar level, the blood, the blood glucose level is higher and there's a sense of contentment in the body. Ah, how there is more happiness in the mind. There's more settledness. Notice these things. It's so impersonal. We all have it. I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've ever noticed newborns. So a newborn, when they're hungry, um, when they want mother's milk, when they're hungry, their fists are tight like this. Has anybody seen a newborn? Like, like, yeah, like this. And then watch them get fed. And they get the, ah, oh, the body relaxes. They get limp. They let go. The fists completely open. Our bodies do the same thing. We're just grown up little babies. Notice that in your body. There's a sense of contentment that comes in. It's natural. And sometimes that, actually, that might be a great time to practice. Riding that wave of contentment. In that moment, sit and practice. Like, ah, let that joy, that contentment, that peace, blissfulness, let that ride you into a sense of calm, samadhi, the mind being collected. See the connections. Notice how, for example, if you do metta, if you do metta, how that changes the state of your mind, state of your heart. See how the conditions can change, how the links can change. Notice if you 
do a nice walk, a really dedicated, intentional walking period, how the state of your mind different right after that during the next sit. Pay attention, the conditionalities. Or sometimes you, ca- you could notice, oh, you see something. You see water, and all of a sudden you feel thirsty. And maybe a moment before, you weren't thirsty at all. Just seeing the water brings up the wanting. Like, oh. Or seeing someone wear a certain color reminds you of a certain story at the mind door, and the story then goes. Where are you in that li- in those links? Oh, vision comes up, a thought comes up, a story comes up, maybe anger comes up. Oh, look at that. Look at all this conditionality just flowing on its own. There's so much to see. I have more to say, but this is a really good time to stop. There is plenty to work with. So let's just sit in silence for a moment. And let these words wash over you. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. Don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.